0: good morning thank you all for joining us today uh the kids are dismissed to go with pastor becky for a very special pentecost kids table time too we have a great celebration today and um and, and just to note we have that little shield up on that side there of the the baptistry um that's called like the splash zone i don't think we get too splashy today you know kind of go to Seaworld and you get the splash zone everybody we're gonna have like ponchos set up on that side but I don't think it was is it was too much today, and it's an exciting day today, and I hope that um, you'll be able to greet those who have been baptized. Um, they're going to be joining us to serve communion. If you didn't realize that you will, um, they're going to be serving communion to you today, but also in our celebration. We have a picnic after this service. So please, please stick around, hang out. Um, it's going to be a great time of celebration as we continue to be together. And um, Pentecost, Pentecost is a pivotal event that we see in scripture and really in the story of god written through history um and and it's it's a, a a day in the life of the church that um gets a little bit less attention much less attention actually than easter and christmas counterparts um but is is equally as important if not even more important because this is the start of The church, our story, entering into Acts, known as the birthday of the church. And I hate to break it to you, but a church is not a building. It's a movement. It's a movement. It's a family of God. It's people. It's you and I together that make up the church. And we would tend to think, if you didn't know the rest of the story, then we would tend to think that when Jesus left the Earth, his ministry stopped. Because that's what happens with all religious leaders is that when they leave, the ministry stops and people kind of continue the work that they started and that kind of thing. But not so in this situation, not so with Jesus. Because Luke, the gospel writer, he kind of wrote a two-volume uh group of books that are in scripture, the Gospel of Luke, but then the book of Acts, which is kind of like part two of the series. And he said that when Jesus was on earth, that was only the beginning. That his greatest ministry actually started when he had left, when he had left. So I'm going to start off with just a little question to kind of tie into maybe your personal story today. Um, And that question is, has an ending in your life ever become a beginning? Has an ending in your life ever become a beginning? Because that's the story of Pentecost. That's the story of the church. And a lot of times we think what is coming to an end is actually a new beginning. You know, we say things like, you know, maybe you turned a certain birthday this year and you're saying things like, I'm not young anymore, so I can't blank, right? Whatever age that you are. Not an end, but a beginning. Maybe, maybe on a serious note, you've experienced a traumatic life event that you felt like ended your life. But maybe it was a new start, a new way of seeing things, something in your life that turned into a beginning. Maybe for you it was becoming an empty nester or will be when you become an empty nester, maybe in another 10, 15 years, 20 years if you have a newborn, right? Maybe not 30 years, I don't know. Uh, And you say things like, you know, maybe that's traumatic, but maybe that's celebratory. I don't know. Maybe it's both of those. But an ending, starting life of a new beginning. And maybe even today, maybe today you're even standing at what you call an ending, that God is positioned to turn into a beginning. What we see in the story of Jesus is something just like that. And uh, if you have a worship guide, you can follow along. The scriptures are all printed there. It's also online for those of you guys online on our website. Um, and you can follow along with this, but we see that in the story of Jesus because three years Jesus spends with his disciples, and then what happens? He's arrested, he's crucified, he dies, he's buried, and he rises from the dead, and then there's a time of 40 days that transpires, that he makes appearances, meets people, spends with his disciples, once again, eating around tables. That's what Jesus liked to do a lot. And then he gives them a vague command. And we talked about this if you were with us last week. He says in Acts 1, verses 4 to 5, Do not, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait, wait, wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John, baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Anybody grow up in a church that preached from like the King James Bible? Anybody? Or what about like in a, maybe the Catholic tradition or, or Orthodox church? You ever heard of the word Holy Ghost? The Holy Ghost, right? Um, uh, you know, the, thou, Holy Ghost, like all comes along with that. We call that you know, the, the Holy Spirit. Uh, but, but immediately in this story, we see that Jesus shares this news about what's to happen. And then we see that the disciples, they don't get it. They get off track. They start asking, when are you going to restore Israel, Jesus? Like, when are you going to bring back the kingdom, make to the good old days? They thought that his kingdom was an earthly one. They thought about a national identity instead of having citizenship elsewhere. But then Jesus gives them the biggest mission that has ever been given to a human being or human beings. And he says this after the little complaints. He says, "But, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then what happens? They look up for what's next, and he's gone. He's gone. Odd, right? He vanished. Very heartless of Jesus. Like to give this very, very important command and then he just disappears. I was thinking when I read this Scripture over and over again. Of course, many of us know the, how the story goes, but I was thinking, did Jesus just ghost his disciples? <laughs> you don't know, know what ghost means? You know what the term ghosted means? The title of this message is called Ghosted. It's called Ghosted. And I'm not going to ask you if you've ever been ghosted or if you've been the ghoster in that sense, but um, just think back. So if you don't know what ghosted is, just let me unpack the seventh grade dating scene. Um, you were dating somebody and you didn't have the courtesy to break up with them, so maybe you had your friend break up with them. Well the news is, today it's a lot easier to do, you have a device, and you just don't respond. You don't respond and maybe it's happened to you even as an adult, right? You invited somebody, you're talking to them, maybe a friend, even a relative, right? And it's like nothing, like the days go by. You see the little red icon, it says READ at the bottom of the text you send. And they're like, that was like three weeks ago, right? Ghosted, ghosted, technology makes it easy. But of course, I'm using it in two different ways. Jesus tells them about the Holy Spirit, aka Holy Ghost, that he's gonna give them with, but then he leaves. He does both of, both of those things. And I imagine, what questions would have been going through your mind, right? Thinking back to like the 90s hit, I'd say like, hey, what's going on? I'm, I just totally butchered that, that was horrible. Then can you sing that for us? I said, Hey, eh, yeah, yeah, hey, yeah, yeah, hey, what's going on? Okay, there we go. Thank you. That was that was improv right there. I like that. I like that. Yes. Okay. <laughs> there we go. He is going on. So, um, but anyway, but I imagine that's probably what they were thinking. Like, what is going on here? Right? He says this and then he just disappears. Like, Jesus, what's happening? But what they didn't realize is what they were calling an ending was a new beginning. They weren't ghosted. They were gifted. They were gifted. And so the story continues in Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Let's just pause there because I think this part of the story, the story of Pentecost, really shows us what was beginning and what we're involved in, what we have stepped into. Because you know what was beginning? First, the beginning of the gift of absence. The gift of absence. Have you ever experienced the gift of absence? You know, when your coworker is sick, the one that you don't like, and you're like, I pray that it's not that bad, right? I pray it's kind of mild, but I also pray that maybe they'll be out all week, right? Wouldn't have to bother me. That's not the gift of absence. But, but back in time, let's back up in time. So the Festival of First Fruits was a festival celebrated by the Jews at the time called Shavuot. Shavuot. And, and it actually, it, it, even today, it began yesterday, I believe, um, the, the Feast of Shavuot. And, and it was one of the three major Jewish feasts that were celebrated by Jews at the time. And part of that practice was that people would make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And so Shavuot happens 50 days after Passover, 50 days after Passover. And it commemorates when the first fruits of the wheat harvest would be celebrated and presented to God. But it also commemorated the giving of the law to Moses on Sinai. Ten Commandments, remember that story? The giving of the law to Moses on Sinai. And Pentecost means mainly 50, 50 days. But it also lines up with Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Lines up with Jesus and the resurrection occurring 50 days after Jesus' resurrection, after his resurrection. But scripture says, when the scripture we read just a little bit earlier, scripture says that after 40 days was when Jesus ascended to heaven and he goes to them and disappeared. But, so that means that if you do the math, even if you're not a wizard at math, you can do this, right? There's 10-day gap there between when Jesus ascended to heaven and when this part of the story came, when the day of Pentecost came and they're together in this place. 10 days until Pentecost. So they walked back to Jerusalem and they waited 10 days Right, no big deal, huh, right, no big deal. But let me see what happens when you don't have Wi-Fi for 10 days. Let me see if I take your phone for 10 minutes. Right, you feel the buzz in your pocket. You know, that's a long time to wait when you don't know what even you're waiting for. But it's a time that they stayed in faith. And that's first, I think, what we should call the gift of absence. And I've heard all kinds of messages, and I preach them about Jesus' presence, right? About God's presence with us. About, about his, his being with us. But we see that the kingdom of God was inaugurated with what they perceived to be Jesus' absence. Isn't that interesting? I think in our own lives, we can all relate to something being taken from us that we had depended on, that actually we felt like was a part of us. Someone or something we thought we couldn't live without, But then you did, and life went on. And and it's not always a person. Sometimes it's a season of life that you didn't get any warning or training manual for what comes next. And, And I think you know this, but let me just make this clear. God never leaves. God never leaves. He never really leaves. However, I believe that he does create space where we can experience him in a different way, and it's not complicated. It feels like absence, and that was the upper room where the disciples gathered. It was not a comfortable place. I think there's, in the moments that we either feel or understand him the least, he might be working the most. Think about that. In our own lives and in our world, in the absence of answers, faith is born. In the absence of resources, creativity is born. In the absence of resources, people invent things and start things and change things. All because of absence. And and I don't mean that it feels good when people walk away from you. But if we're honest, you know, that's the place that we may need to thank God for something he didn't give us. For showing us maybe something we didn't realize or showing us who we really are inside. God often uses vacancy to create within us a compassion and a resilience you might never know elsewhere and otherwise. And I think for the disciples and for us, absence can be the beginning of a gift. Sometimes we need the gift of absence, and that's how the kingdom of God was started. But then what happens? Suddenly a sound, like the blowing out of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, other languages, as the Spirit enabled them. Now, they were staying in Jerusalem, and where they were staying, there were God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Remember, everybody had come to Jerusalem for the party. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, the parts of Libya, near Cyrene. Like, what's with that? Visitors from Rome. Both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans, Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? And I I like this. Luke says, somehow, however, they made fun of them and said, they've just had too much wine. They just, it's it's early in the morning, they've just a little bit too much. But what what does it show us? It's the beginning of a gift of presence. A gift of presence in a different way. The disciples spent three years understanding the power of Jesus' presence with them. And ten days after his absence, this crazy event happens. They're huddled in the upper room. Fire, languages, ghosted. But together. Together. He starts it together. This is what Jesus is talking about. And I don't have time to get into it, but, but the Holy Spirit is part of the triune God. It's just as equal with Jesus and the Father and how they're all intertwined. In the Old Testament, we see that, that it's said a lot that the Holy Spirit comes on a person. is overshadowed or rested so that they, they could fulfill a particular purpose. The Spirit comes on prophets for certain tasks in the Old Testament scriptures. But now, this, we see something very different, something greater. The Holy Spirit no longer visits people, but the Holy Spirit inhabits people. Not visit, but inhabit. No longer in one place, but in people. And I don't know about you, but I need God's presence when you're not around. I need God's presence when we're not celebrating in worship. I mean, I you know, I don't know maybe you do this too, but you know, you deal with stressful situations and stressful people. There's times when my emotions inside are forming, foaming like, like this sea, right? And just seething. I need God's presence there. I need, him. I need him in my car. I see how some of y'all drive. I'm praying, right? I'm praying. But Jesus did not leave. He changed forms. Where is his presence? There is power. He changed forms. And I think that's for many things in life. If you have a teenager... You remember back to the huggy days, right? Mommy and daddy like hug me, cuddle with me, be with me. You know, maybe you have children that are in that stage now and you're like, oh my gosh, there's gonna be a day they don't do this again, right? Does that mean that love didn't end, that that, that love ended? No, it just changes forms and maybe isn't as huggy. Maybe we don't need to give up on relationships when feelings go away. Maybe we need to go to a deeper place and maturity that realizes you know many things in life i'm not going to get goosebumps for i'm a grown-up and maybe i have to do what i need to do and i'm going to stay in jerusalem in my upper room and i'm going to wait for this gift of the new presence maybe you weren't ghosted maybe you're gifted maybe god's calling you deeper and that's what jesus could not get them to understand they had to experience it in their own way they kept thinking it was something that they could see but until his presence with them changed. And before he left, Jesus had told them, but very truly I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. And get this, underline this, unless I go away, the advocate, the Holy Spirit will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. He said, it's good that I'm ghosting you. It's good that I leave you in physical form because then I can lead in spiritual form and direct you from a deeper place. And Jesus wants to move in. He wants to move into our lives, into our hearts, but he doesn't want just a guest room. He wants complete access to your whole being, to your whole self, to every area of your life, everywhere, And that's why he says it's among all people. Jesus said in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And for many of us, when we hear that, it's kind of like Star Wars galaxies, right? But these are real actual places. The places, there's not one place that he does not desire to inhabit. And I love that it happens in this feast that was very important in Jewish tradition because everybody was in town. All those weird names that I just read, all these different places, languages, God could care less. He's a part of all of them. The world came to them. God's presence is for everyone. It's not for one race. It's not for one background. It's not for one certain area of of the country or or whatever it might be. God's presence is for everyone. And the Spirit gives the gift of crossing man-made boundaries and divisions and connecting us. But then what happens? Then Peter. Peter goes on, the story doesn't end. The Peter stands up with the 11 and he raises his voice and addresses the crowd. He says, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Let me explain what's going on. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. I love that, right? Like, you, you wouldn't make this stuff up. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on, what, who? All people, all people. So I want you to get ready to raise your hands. If you're a son or your daughter, raise your hand. You will prophesy. If you're a young man, I want you to raise your hand. You will see visions. If you're an old man or old woman, if you consider yourself, be proud, right? You will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men, wait, raise your hand, and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. They will, I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness. The moons of blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. When all this is gonna be finished, not quite yet, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone, all people, all people have access This is the beginning of the gift of a new era that we are living in. Of all people who stands up, it's Peter, right? Peter. If you go back in the stories in scripture, you see Peter, he's the foul-mouthed fisherman. Last week we said, you know, in the course of about an hour, he not only cut off somebody's ear, but he cussed out a servant girl, right? This is Peter, the failure who ran away from Jesus. He's the one that's proclaiming boldly God fills him and gifts him with power and a new calling. This is, an un, this is an era of unlikely people. Are you an unlikely person? Are you a person that maybe was thrown out in the trash at some point or somebody told you you're never gonna mount up to anything? Or maybe you had something inside you that said, hey, I'm not worth it. I'm not worth this, I'm not worth him, I'm not worth her, I'm not worth that. Well, guess what? God works through unlikely people and it's you. And he, he wants a new kingdom. He doesn't want to restore what was, what Israel was. He wants a new kingdom to restore humanity as a whole. And he wants to do it not from on high, but through you. Through you. He quotes Joel from the Old Testament. He wants to invite us all, we all raise our hands at some point, to be a part of it. Where there is his presence, there is power, but it's different. It's not the power of the sword and the power of the fight. It's transformative power. And, and for many of us, like, we want to you know, serve God and you know, wanna do some good things, but then like, life gets in the way, or it's like, oh, I got a better option, or that kind of thing. Like, many of us like the concept of serving God and having a relationship, right? And, and I think it's like anybody whose kids have asked them for a dog, right? They like the concept of a dog, but the concept does not have to be taken out in the middle of the night to go potty. <laughs> we like the concept of being used by God, the concept of a relationship, but what about the moments when the kingdom becomes inconvenient? When it means that, that we need to befriend someone that maybe it would be easier not to, or be easy to, to step in injustice and to say something is wrong, that we need to work with him and not fight against him. We need to submit to one another, and that means that God will, when you submit to him, he will mess with your plans and mess with your life. Peter from The Lion and the Witch and the Wardrobe, or I'm sorry, Susan from The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, favorite storybook but also movie written by C.S. Lewis. I love what the beaver and Susan, one of the girls, um, has a conversation where Jesus is the figure of the lion, if you didn't know, in the story. And Susan goes to the beaver and she starts to hear about Aslan aslan is a lion the great lion says the beaver "Ooh," said susan i thought he was a man is he quite safe i shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion safe said mr beaver "You said anything about safe of course he isn't safe but he's good he's good he's the king i tell you that's the god we serve not safe but good and further on after Peter's experience and after he shares the good news of Jesus, the resurrected Jesus who has come, Acts tells us or Luke tells us those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. Imagine 3,000 baptisms. Like, you know, it took us like 15 minutes to do three, right? Like, amazing, amazing act of God. And historically, those of us that are kind of like struggling with this historically, historically there is no explanation and this is This is according to several scholars who are atheists who say there's no explanation for how a scared group of Jesus' followers huddled in a room in Jerusalem suddenly became bold enough to spread news about Jesus and his kingdom to an entire world about a risen carpenter and then give their lives for it. There's no explanation for that. But it's all because they were ghosted. The gift, the gift of absence, of presence, and the beginning of a new era. Wrapping all this up, Pentecost—what they thought was an ending was a beginning. A beginning that has not ended; that we continue to live in. We're kind of the now, and not but not yet. The kingdom has begun, but it has not been finished. And think about it. Had Jesus, uh, Jeff, Pastor Jeff, and I were talking about this the other day, think about it. Had Jesus stayed on Earth, he would have done us all a disservice. Why? Because he would have been doing all the work he would have been doing everything. And and even if he had met with everybody one-on-one, there is absolutely no way, even I think somebody did the math somewhere about how if he had spent 10 seconds with every living person, there'd be no way for him to even have a, a fruitful conversation with anyone or to make any changes or to make any difference in the world. And so he chose to leave so that way to empower and to be a part of us because Jesus had to go. Pentecost means we're not ghosted we're gifted. It's a gift. And that's why we're here. That's why Table Life Church exists, because he's given us a task to continue what began 2,000 years ago. And maybe you don't feel like you have what it takes, but that's good news, because you can join the ranks of Peter, James, John, Mary, the women, Matthew, all the other disciples who felt the same way, appeared in that upper room, and were ghosted. And so I have one wish for you. As we say, happy birthday, church, will you take upon that task? Will you step into the new beginning that God has, not just for you, but for us as the big C church, to walk in his ways and be part of the kingdom here and now?